Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. Like Aaron mentioned in the announcements, in the back of your pew, you'll find a visitor's card and we just ask a, a special favor from you. Would you take that out and fill it out? We've got a box in the foyer. Uh, that you can place that card into as you exit this morning, or you pass that card to me or to one of our six shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I truly believe it. I say it all the time. I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. I want to say thank you to Jarek, as always, for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, Ed, for a wonderful communion thought. We are greatly appreciative. Uh, as you all know, today is a special Sunday. The Universal Church today celebrates what is commonly known as, as Palm Sunday. You've probably seen things here and there all over the place. This day in history is where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey preparing to be crucified. And during that time, people were taking their cloaks and throwing it on the ground and taking palm branches and putting it on the ground, signifying his lordship and his kingship. And it's a powerful, powerful Sunday in the life of the church. And next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we are going to remember the resurrection of Christ. So I'm going to ask that you do me a favor and you invite a friend next Sunday. We want to fill up this church house next Sunday for sure because you know there are only two times, two times during the year where you can really invite someone to church and not have a problem, right? Christmas and Easter, okay? So don't let Easter pass you up because then you'll have to wait till December. Uh, so make sure that you invite someone out on Easter and you guys wear your pastels and your big hats and all that good stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. No chocolate, though. Wow. Um, but uh, <laughs> we just hope that you come out and you have a good time as we, as we fellowship together. So this morning, we are going to finish out our sermon series on the subject of money. We were really kind of thinking through, were we going to do a Palm Sunday lesson or wait until Easter or what? We, we thought it was really important to finish out this subject material. Uh, so we're going to finish up today. If this is your first time with us this morning, we have been working our way through a sermon series entitled Money Matters. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been studying this material, and I've preached on some aspect of the use of money. In part one, we, we talked about stewardship, and I uh, gave you an example looking at the parable of the talents in the Gospel of Matthew and what a talent was and how God wants us to use our monies to further his purposes in the world. So we talked about that in, uh, in part one. And last week, uh, we talked about the law of contentment, because a lot of times we find ourselves in financial predicaments. We get ourselves into trouble simply because we are not content. And then Paul talked about that there is a secret. He learned the secret of contentment, and we gave you some principles on that last week. Uh, so if you're looking for that material, that stuff is online. You can look it up and download it and listen to it. It would be beneficial to you. And finally today, in part three, as we close out the series, I wanted to talk about 
financial fitness. Financial fitness. You know, I've been saying this every Sunday. Jesus talked more about money in the Bible than he did heaven or hell, which is a very interesting concept to think about. He spent more of his time talking about the use of money, stewardship, the law of contentment, financial fitness than he did heaven or hell. And why is that? Well, it's because we spend most of our days thinking about money. We don't have enough, right? Or we're thinking about how to invest it. We're thinking about how to spend it, how to protect it, so forth and so on. So Jesus had a lot to say about the use of money, and we're going to talk about this this morning. I want you to think about this. In every aspect of our lives, we are called to be fit or to have a level of fitness. In every aspect of our lives, the Lord wants us to be fit. He wants us to be spiritually fit, and that's of primary concern to the world. But under that heading of being spiritually fit, he wants us to have a deep level of mental and emotional fitness, right? So when we look at the context of Scripture, when we look throughout Scripture, Jesus is always teaching us principles on how to be fit spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. The Scripture also talks about the importance of physical fitness. Now, I'm not talking so much about, you know, making sure you run marathons every quarter or something, or if you're a personal trainer uh, or anything like that, but God does want us to be fit physically. And why is that? Because the Scripture says our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we've got to make sure we take care of this in order to be pleasing to God, okay? But then the Lord also talks about a very interesting component, component of fitness, and that's, and that's financial fitness. Our financial houses must be in order in order to be pleasing to God. He wants us to use our talents, our monies, in a way that honors Him. So this morning, we're going to conclude with talking about some aspects of financial fitness this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I've got one verse up on the slide, but I'm actually going to read through the entire uh, section here. Verses 10 through 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And you guys just follow along with me in this text, and then you can look at the slide up here, the verse up here. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 10, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied... When you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases, and all you have is multiplied, when your heart will become, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, With venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of a rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, 
something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it may go well with you, that you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Verse number 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you hadn't underlined a verse in this passage, I really want you to underline and highlight verse number 18. It's a very profound verse because it says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. The first principle of financial fitness is to remember where all your blessings come from, right? So this should give you hope if you're broke, amen. But it should, right? Mike, if you go to this next slide, when I was, let's see, 20 years old, I was a student at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Where is Searcy? I still don't know, but it's in Arkansas somewhere, a very small town, very small community, and I was a student there. While I was a student there, uh, the great tragedy happened, September 11th, right? The, the attacks uh, on the towers, and I was a military man. I was an infantry soldier at the time, and I remember receiving a call, and the call was, Jason, we are deploying you. Get your weapon, get your material, get your bag, meet us at the armory. You are hopping on a plane and you are flying to the Sinai. And I said, where is the Sinai? I don't even know where that is. You're going to the Sinai. So I remember getting on a plane. All of us were nervous. We didn't know what to expect. And we flew and we landed in Cairo. And Cairo is a very interesting town, right? Very interesting city. Because in Cairo, it's beautiful. You have all these historic artifacts. You have the Nile River running down the middle of the city. Things are green and beautiful. But that wasn't our destination. Our destination was the Sinai. So we got on a second flight, and we flew into the Sinai. And what you see up here this morning is a picture of the Sinai Peninsula, the desert. And I remember landing in the Sinai and looking around, and literally, you didn't see anything. There was nothing there except for snakes and scorpions and what they call camel spiders, the biggest spiders you ever see in your life. Huge, right? That's all that was out there. No water, no nothing. And the, the water that was out there was the Red Sea, so it was salty. This is the land where Moses and the children of Israel found themselves for 40 long years. They had left Egypt out of slavery now, but Egypt, had that Nile River, they had fresh fish, they had food, and God took them to this barren and wasteless land. And God said, I'm going to provide for you even in the midst of this. And that's why he says in verse number 18, remember that I'm the one that gives you the ability to produce what you have. So that should give you hope this morning if you're going through some kind of financial hardship or difficulty. If God can provide in the midst of this, what can't he do in your life today? What can't he do with your financial 
issue today. He can provide in very big and powerful ways. One of the doxologies we sing in our church is this song that goes, praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Every single blessing that you have, financially or otherwise, comes from the Lord. He blesses us. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to remember the source and remember that God made a promise that he would always provide for his people. So this morning, if you're going through some financial hardships or difficulties, God made a promise to you that he'll always take care of you. Always take care of you if you follow him and love him. So Christians, guess what? You don't have anything to worry about. But if you're living contrary to the will of God, that should cause you a little fear. But if you're a Christian, God will bless you and take care of you. So the first thing we need to do in financial fitness is remember the source. Next passage, Proverbs chapter 13 and chapter 25. I'm reading from the Good News Translation, so it's going to say it a little differently in your Bibles, but follow along with me because I like this text. Verse number 11, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Uh-oh. <laughs> Amen, right? Wealth from hard work grows. That's a powerful text. And the next one, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. That's a very powerful passage when it comes to financial fitness. You know, I was at the mall the other day with... Uh, Mary and the kids, and we were going towards the food court, the Michigan Hill Mall. And you know, sometimes they have some booths over there of people selling products. So I walked by this one booth and I saw a big banner. It said, buy this pill and lose 25 pounds in a month. I said, what kind of pill is that? You know, I might need to, might need to check that one out there. 25 pounds in a month? I'll have my summer abs, right, by April. Um, but we all know that that is not the case. There is no magic pill out there that is going to help you do that, right? Hydroxycut, I don't care what it is. It's not going to work. It takes effort. It takes hard work. It takes patience little by little. And that principle is true when it comes to our financial fitness as well. Avoid get-rich-quick schemes. Every day after I leave the office, I go to the gas station to pick up my Skittles and my bottle of Perrier. Um, and every day that I go there, there's always a guy there that is buying the, the lotto tickets, right? Or the, I can't, the mega millions or something. Every time he goes in there, he's buying about five or six tickets, right? And the clerk behind the counter says, I hope, you, I hope you're lucky. Hope you win, right? And I see him every single day, and I'm thinking to myself, this can't be the best use of your money right here. Get-rich-quick schemes are not for Christians. Hard work. Little by little, saving is what God wants from Christians, right? All right, so I'm going to tell you a story. For our anniversary, Mary and I went to Las Vegas. Don't judge me, okay? I, I already saw it. I already saw it. I saw a couple of you guys, right? Okay. We went there for the food experience, which I told you about last week, and to see a show. What was interesting is we were going to one of the hotels, I think it was the Bellagio, where they had the Cirque du Soleil water show, so we went to that. And as we were walking through the casino area, I saw this little old lady playing a slot machine, right? And our show was about at 7 o'clock or so, and I saw her, I was just watching, watching all the people pushing the buttons. Ding! Ding! Right? 
and she was sitting there. We went to the show, and the show was about three hours long. We came back. Lady was still there. And then you hear a little bell go off. Ding, 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 ding. I said, oh, she wants some money. So I went over there to go see her. I said, ma'am, how much did you win? She said, well, fortunately, I gained, you know, my 200 back that I had lost. So I really didn't win anything, but I feel excited. I said, what? So how does that work? You gave 200, got it back, and yet you're excited. I don't All I'm saying this morning, church, is that God doesn't want Christians involved in get-rich-quick money schemes, right? And there is a bunch out there, isn't there? All over the place. God says, I bless hard work, and when you save, little by little. And if you do that over the course of time, God will bless you in big ways. And that's what he wants from Christian people. That's what he wants from us, okay? Anyway, let's move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So how do we have financial fitness? Remember the source. Make money slowly and honestly and wisely. And here it tells us to honor God with your tithe. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What we look at and what we read about in the Old Testament is God's people, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, being commanded to give God a portion of their income. And in the Old Testament, it was a tithe. It was 10%, right? 10%. You come and you give your tithe to the Lord. The Lord appreciates that. He respects that. He honors that. He wants that from his people. And today, I don't have a problem with the word tithe. I, I really don't. I don't have a problem with the word tithe. We can use that word. But in the New Testament, we know also we're commanded to set aside some money to give back to the Lord. And if you want to be a spiritually or physically, if you want to be spiritually, physically, and financially, how about that, fit, you've got to make sure that you give your tithe, your offering to the Lord. That's, that's of primary importance. If you're coming to church and you're not, you're not giving your tithe or your offering, that's not a good thing. It's really not. Because ever since the beginning, that's what God commands or desires from his people. And when you do that, God is pleased with that. So I hope that you're taking this opportunity when we pass the plates to make sure you give. And I know many of you are huge givers, and we appreciate that. But for others of you, you can probably step it up a little bit. And I guarantee if you step it up a little bit, God will bless you even more. That's how it works. The people probably at this time period were still giving tithes to the Jewish temple. They were probably still giving their 10% because, after all, they were still somewhat Jewish in nature. They were probably still giving their 10% in addition to what they were doing for Paul. And I think that's pretty powerful to think through and to think about. Paul said there is a need to store up money for evangelistic work. We've got to be about God's business. And God always required, even from the very beginning, that we give to further his purposes in the world. So if you want to be financially fit, you've got to make sure you give. Next passage, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. This is a good one, right? I think I heard my mom say this to me a couple times. Um, and my mom is here this morning. I'm excited she's here. She's here over here with the left with my sisters. And there you go. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Lazy hands make a poor man, but diligent hands bring wealth. 
He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Wow. Lazy hands make a poor man. God blesses people who work hard. In order to be financially fit, you have to work hard. But the problem is some people just don't want to work hard. I don't want to work hard. I, I want it to be easy, right? I shouldn't have to do that. But God says, I bless people who work hard. God is pleased with people who work hard. I'm going to brag on my wife. She's not here this morning. Izzy has 102 fever this morning, so you guys pray for her. But I'm going to brag on my wife. My wife finished her nurse practitioner degree and program with a 4.0. Every single paper she turned in, she got an A on. I'm saying, you must have learned that from me, Mary, because, I mean, that's, you know, I taught you some good stuff, didn't I? 4.0 every single time. She, I mean, she graduated super cum laude, magna cum laude, and she had all the different ribbons and stuff, and I, I was just so proud of her. And Mary will tell you, she says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest. But what I do know about my wife is she is a hard worker. And because she works so hard, God blesses her. Okay? So if you want to be blessed financially, you want to have a blessings from God and be financially, work hard and what, watch what God does, right? Work hard. Proverbs chapter 16, 1 through 3. I'm almost done here this morning, church. To a man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and guess what? Your plans will succeed. Commit whatever you do to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And I like that clause or that statement, whatever. Whatever it is, no matter how small, no matter how big, commit it to the Lord, and it doesn't say your plans might succeed. There might be a possibility or a chance. That's not what the Scripture says. We have this promise that if we commit our works to the Lord, our plans will succeed. And I really like that text. I think it's so, so powerful. And that's why we talk about work as worship. I don't know what kind of employment you have or what kind of line you're, of work you're in, but sometimes work can be tough, right? You got that co-worker, you got that boss you don't get along with, they don't pay you enough, so forth and so on. But if you commit your work to the Lord as worship, God will elevate you in so many different ways. He'll bless you big time if you commit it to the Lord. So wherever you are right now financially, wherever you are at your job, commit your work to the Lord. Let your work be worship and watch what God does, right? And then lastly, Romans chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 13. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Man, I wish that went in there. April 15th. You know, it's 1099, folk. We get it. Ugh, it's not good. You W-2 folk, you guys will be okay, right? When I read this text, I'm going, ah, oh, man. Ugh, right? You got to pay your taxes. <laughs> right? You know how many people get in trouble because they don't pay their taxes on time or pay their taxes? So scripture here says if you owe taxes, you pay your taxes. You do that. That's what God wants. 
Pay your taxes. Pay the government. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. In verse number eight, let no debt remain outstanding. That's another tough one, right? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. I want to talk just briefly about debt. There was a commercial that I love. Uh, it was on maybe a year or two ago. There was this guy who was mowing his grass. He was outside uh, barbecuing, and his family was around, and he had this weird smirk on his face. And the guy said, uh, the commentator said, you must be living the American dream. How do you do it? And he said, I do it because I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, right? And typically, that's how we live the American dream. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. So we're all looking like this. I have it. I got everything, but ugh. You know, it could all change at a moment's notice, right? We've got to be careful about debt. In America, it's really hard to be debt-free. Say amen if you can. It really is. Um, any of you guys been to college? Yeah, especially now for our young people. Student loans are amazingly expensive. I was talking to, uh, to someone, and they were telling me about the school that they're sending their, their student to, their student has 50% tuition-free, uh, like a scholarship. And I said, wow, that must cover a lot. How much do they owe? What, they probably take out a loan for $5,000. They said, no, it's still $60,000 a year. And I said, you got 50% off and it's still $60,000 a year? It's tough because nowadays, in order to educate yourself, if you don't get a scholarship, you don't have an academic, or uh, you don't come from a lot of money, it's hard. So you're already racking up unless you go to a community college and people talk about that, don't you? Oh, you went to Saddleback. Oh, bless your heart. It's terrible, isn't it, right? Right. So we end up having all this baggage before we even start. We're already in a trap. And then the next thing that we do, after you complete college and live the American dream of going to college and getting your degree, right? And then you can't find a job after you get your degree. So then you go back and work on your master's because you need some time to figure out what you're going to do for your job. And then the, the next American dream is you got to make sure you buy a house, right? Yeah. You know how much houses cost down here? Yeah, my goodness. My goodness. I remember Mary was like, we're moving to Orange County. I think the right step to do is to go purchase a house. We went around and we were looking at some of the price. I literally laughed just like that. I said, really? And you don't even get a yard. It's crazy to me. I mean, we're, wow. And then your neighbors are like this close to you. Everywhere you turn, you see a neighbor. I'm thinking, right? They say um, back in the 50s, you could buy a home in Beverly Hills for fifty dollars to $60,000, right? Maybe it was a little earlier than that. No, I don't hold my math right. But yeah, nowadays, if you wanted to purchase in Beverly Hills, well, you couldn't purchase in Beverly Hills, amen? It's just amazing to me the cost of a home in the greater Los Angeles area, all this debt. You go and buy a car, the car's $30,000, and we're talking about a Ford Escort, right? Whatever. <laughs> it's hard. And then we get ourselves into some trouble, and we get so burdened and bogged down, we say, we can't get out of this. There's no way to win. I just want to encourage you and let you know that God owns the bank. He owns Bank of America with all their high fees, Chase, 
right? USA, he owns it all, right? And the thing that we have to remember is if we commit our financial offerings to the Lord, he can turn things upside down, flip them around, repair them, do 180s just like that, right? But I think the issue that we struggle with is we're just not, we're not doing this. And God blesses people who pay down and pay off their debt. Little by little, you do that. You pay off your debt, and God will bless you in tremendous ways. So as we close this morning, I mean, really this series is just, how do we, how do we deal with this problem of money? That's what we, we deal with. And what's interesting is we live in a part of the country where people would look at us down here and say, what do you guys have to worry about? You're in South Orange County. You got it all figured out. Life is good for you. But I, I learned a secret since moving down here. More money equals more problems, right? When you were broke, you were just fine, weren't you? Right? <laughs> more money equals more problems. So we have a huge problem in our region of the world today, and I think the message of the cross can help and speak to that. In church, if we are truly ambassadors of the secret things of God, we'll share this message with other people. And I think that we can do that. So thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for your attentiveness during the sermon series. This is a really hard subject to talk about money, but I'm so appreciative that you were here and you were able to hear some of the, uh, some of the principles, and I think that'll bless you. So I want to leave you with this question. How's your financial fitness? Are you remembering some of the principles that we talked about? Are you honoring God and realizing that all your blessings come from Him? Are you working hard? and not trying to get involved in get-rich-quick schemes, but are you saving little by little? Are you honoring God with a tithe? Are you giving back to Him? Are you paying off your debts? And I think if you do that and honor those things, God will bless you tremendously. This morning, by way of invitation, we've got a song selected. If there is anyone here that is having trouble in this area, the church is here to pray with you and to pray for you. We lean on each other. We help each other out. That's what the church is about. You don't have to feel ashamed to come forward. All of us have issues. All of us have problems. And the thing is, you don't want your neighbor to know about your problem because you think it's worse than theirs, right? All of us, I love what Ed said this morning, all of us are broken. All of us are guilty. All of us are unclean. And I think it takes bold and courageous people to come forward and to say, you know what? I need some help. I think God honors that as well. Or maybe this morning you're not a Christian and there's a lot of stuff going on in your life that you're having a hard time with. We're giving you this invitation this morning. If you want to become a Christian today, you can come forward. We'll baptize you in water. You can be washed away from your sins, and you can be on God's team. And there's nothing like it. It's a winning team. You win every time. I saw the end of the story. I know who wins. Whatever your needs and concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing?